Welcome to Naya Unfiltered. I'm Thea Sanders, CEO and founder of the Naya Beauty app. When we started this podcast, originally we talked about all things beauty, but I wanted to expand the conversation to include the three eyes which were most important to me. I wanted Naya Unfiltered to be impactful, insightful, and informative. We have carefully curated a list of interesting people with interesting stories who will hopefully leave you wanting to learn more. I hope you enjoy our new revamped Naya Unfiltered. Hi guys, thanks for joining me again. I had so much fun with my next guest, Kim Wyatt. Literally, I felt like I was back in high school and talking to an old friend. I'm gonna try to get our producer Michaela to post our blooper reel on our YouTube channel because it is epic. Kim is a television host, a writer, a contributor to Harper's Bazaar, a foodie, and all-around renaissance woman. Hope you enjoy learning about Kim and walking down memory lane with a Gen X female powerhouse. You know, this glamorous woman. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all glamorous. (laughs) Don't believe everything you see on social media. Uh, You know, I'm just a working mom with two boys and just trying to get through each day, especially during the pandemic. But, um, you know, I want to take my hat off to you for really, um, you know, pushing this whole platform for inclusive beauty. I absolutely love it. And what I really love is is this is an app for women, you know, to personalize this, their beauty, because I tell you, I've got some horror stories about my experience in the past with getting makeup done um, at beauty counters and things like that. So Even I'm really like yourself was access to makeup artists. And as I guess, as an everyday woman, you know, you've experienced this also, right? The frustrations. Yeah. I mean, you know, I work in TV and I have a makeup artist to do that for me. Thank goodness. Because I, don't have a clue on how to do makeup. And I find it very stressful because I've got to look a certain way and I've got to look my best because there is pressure there to, you know, because you're creating an image and I I totally get that. But if I have to do it for myself, I I struggle. And today, this this is my one look. What I have now maybe this is day and evening. I don't I don't do anything else. Because I can't, I don't know how to do it. And I think, you know, this is the, you know, this is the issue. It's very hard. I love skincare. I, you, you know, I can talk about skincare, no worries. When it comes to makeup, I'm not as confident. I love makeup artists, what they do. I think they're artists and they're super creative, but it all, it doesn't always, um, it doesn't always fit the person, especially when you're looking at social media. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't translate sometimes. If I'm looking at an influencer and I'm seeing their techniques, it doesn't always work for me because I don't have the right eye shape or the right right eye colour or the skin colour or the techniques. And I end up looking like a hot mess. (laughs) I mean, I I love what you're saying because, you know, I was customer zero with Naya in the sense that, you know, I just, I had one look, the signature look, right? It it was day, night, special occasion, whatever it was. I never wore eyeshadow because I didn't know how to put it on, right? And, and whenever I went to a makeup counter, it was always, I ended up like buying a bunch of stuff, didn't know how to use it. I looked fabulous after I left, right? But didn't know how to recreate it. And so that's why it's like, gosh, I wish that there was 
somewhere I could go. And it wasn't really time consuming, but it was really tailored to me. And I think what you're saying really resonates because as a mature woman, you know, when things either work or don't work for you. But I think as a younger woman, you are willing to take risks and try things out. And when looking at social media, it may seem like the look is universal, but when I'm looking at that look, I know it's not going to work for me just because I know my facial structure, my bone structure, it's not going to work. So I can't, you know, imitate or do or replicate what they're doing. And I wanted something that was customized to me and I couldn't find something that was really easy access and kind of private because it can be quite intrusive when you're doing it at a retail counter. And that's why I created Naya, you know, but it's great and it's validating to hear from you that, yeah, this is a need, there is a problem and hopefully Naya can, you know, um, help with that problem, help to solve it. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've in the past, I've always wanted to go back into one of the beauty counters and get my a makeover. And I have, I've done that. But I've come out thinking the makeup doesn't suit me. Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, it's also factoring in price. You know, you want something that's going to work. You want products that are going you, you can use again, not just for that one instance. Right. So, um, you know, I've been scared off going into makeup counters because the makeup artist doesn't always get my look and get my lifestyle and get my bone structure. Sometimes they're, they're just there to sell, which I totally get. But, you know, I've been in instances where I've come away and the makeup, I can see the foundation is not my colour, the lip colour is wrong, and it stops me from experimenting. And, you know, I'm really interested in trends. I want to know, even as a, an older woman, I want to keep up to date. I want to look fresh. You know, right. aging isn't about looking, you know, acting your age or being stereotyped, you know. And I think there's a huge niche for older women now to experiment more because, you know, I think younger women can teach older women a lot and vice versa. I agree. Um, and, you know, I think something like this app, which, uh, you know, for me, I would feel more comfortable using something like this than going into a re retail store because it's in the privacy of my own home also. And I can make mistakes if I want. I'm not there sitting in front of everyone. Right. You know. Right. And, and, just and, digital and people are looking at you. And, and if you think about it in you have to start with the fresh canvas, right? If you're going to um, apply makeup and execute a look, that means taking off all of your cover-up, all of your concealer, your foundation, your brows, your mascara. And so now you're completely vulnerable, right? Yeah, that's super aesthetic. interesting you say that, actually. That's super interesting because, you know, you do feel vulnerable. And I feel very vulnerable on social media when I don't have makeup on. And I very rarely show it. So when I have a makeup artist who, who can create a look for me, when I'm working, for instance, I do feel more confident. Right. I absolutely feel more confident. And this is the thing about makeup. It's not just about beauty. It's about transformation. And yeah. it's about empowering women. And I see that now. I never used to when I was younger. I saw it as something different. Now I see makeup and beauty as something very different 
to when I was younger. Yeah. And I think as we age, also, you're talking about skincare, right? And it's really skincare isn't just about topical, right? It's about like what you ingest, what your lifestyle is. So you're improving the quality of your life and that kind of shines through. So it's a transformation of not just your, your makeup, but your skin and your lifestyle, right? As you get older. It's well, not I think it, yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it's holistic. Yeah. I think, I think it's very holistic. And I think as we get older, we realize that in, when, when I was younger, I certainly, you know, I was always into health and fitness. Well, not so much fitness because I don't do much exercise. I never did. But, you know, I was very uh, in awe of people who were fit and did the fitness, but I was more into eating healthily and that kind of thing and really looking after my skin, keeping out of the sun, you know. Uh, getting that's great. Yeah, I was, I've always been interested in it. I started using eye oil when I was 12. Okay, I started using yeah. eye cream when I was 13. So, all right. Right there. And was that because of your culture? Is that because of your, because yes. I know. My mom is Korean and the Koreans are so into beauty and skincare. So she got, you know, of course it was the starter kit clinique. You know, back then there weren't a lot of, I don't know, probably, you know, that back then, but there wasn't a lot of um, really good products that you could buy at the drugstore and especially for people of color, you know, so it was going to Macy's where we lived, going to Macy's and buying Clinique and getting, and she would get me, you know, the eye cream, the neck cream, you know, what do you get neck cream for a 13 year old, the neck cream, eye cream, moisturizer, and of course SPF, and then maybe some, you know, a little bit of makeup, but I didn't have the luxury of going to a drugstore just because of my skin tone, you know, but she started me off early because, you know, Koreans and Asians are so obsessed with skincare. Absolutely. And I lived in Vietnam for four years. Um, and I became very aware of the obsession with skincare over there. And, um, you know, I've been lucky in life because I have lived in different countries. I've been an expat, an expat for quite a few years. And I've lived in the Bahamas. I've lived in Vietnam and now the Middle East. And I've traveled a lot. And I've been, it's been quite interesting to see how different cultures view skincare and view beauty. And for sure in Asia, um, you know, women were in, well, certainly in Vietnam, always conscious of the sun, like mm -hmm. don't get a suntan. You don't, you cover up. And when I was living there 10 years ago, women used to wear, they, everyone used to wear face masks. Really? When they, yeah. When they were riding their motorbikes because of the pollution, but yeah. you know, also very conscious about the sun. They didn't want to get a tan where I grew up in Australia in Sydney the big thing when I was growing up, you got to get a tan. Australian gold. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we used to, oh, when I think about it now, what we did to our skin is, is a nightmare. We used to put on the baby oil. I don't know if in America they did this. Oh, yeah, they they, oh yeah, of course they did. Have, like, of course, like the aluminum foil to get that. Oh, like, yeah. Like, maximize the sun rays. I mean, of course, I was lucky enough to like, you know, this is my skin tone. I didn't have to get a tan, you know, I had that natural tan, but I saw my, you know, my friends and I, you know, my one friend, she's a redhead and she, she would just burn like that, but she refused to get out of the sun. It's like, she 
continue to go to the sun because she wanted to achieve that tan. Now she's going to, you know, her dermatologist, her doctors to see like, okay, what treatments can I do to reverse what I did back then? Yeah. But what's great now is that the younger generation, they are obsessed with SPF, you know, just obsessed with sunscreen. So that's good that they're protecting their skin because you, as you know, you can't reverse time, but you can kind of stop it. Right. And make it go a little bit slower, but you can't reverse the damage that you did. Exactly. I mean, also um, tanning is the worst thing you can do for your skin. It ages, accelerates aging pretty much more than anything else. But when I was growing up in Australia, um, that no one knew that. We didn't know that. We thought it was um, a sign of beauty to have a tan. So we all got tans. And I remember my mum always saying to me when I was growing up, she, she used to say, tanning is the worst thing you can do. Look around you at all the older women who have tanned. They've got the worst skin. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I'll stop frying with my baby oil. We used to put baby oil on us. And I still say now when I see people tanning out on the beach, I, I just get an image of a roasting chicken. You know, right. <laughs> just space, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, for years now I've been, um, I don't go in the sun. I wear sunscreen all the time. But in those days, it was a different thing. So it's very interesting to see how the concepts of beauty have changed over the years. And for you, coming from you know, your family, Korean, it was always a big thing to look after your skin. So they were very ahead of their time, in fact. Right. right. You've had the opportunity to travel the world and see different cultures um, and how they approach skincare and makeup and beauty. And you also have the experience, you know, by your age and talking about what you've learned so are there things that you have incorporated by looking at different cultures of, you know and what you've learned in your past that you're like this is a staple or this I see that this culture does but that really doesn't work for me like what have you learned that you've incorporated into your life now that still is to that last today well I think traveling doing a lot of traveling and also living in different parts of the world has shown me one thing is for sure beauty is universal and it it you know when I was growing up also beauty was very much stereotypes there was a stereotype for women and the the idea of beauty and when I was growing up as I said you know it's very much you had to look a certain way or otherwise you weren't considered beautiful or gorgeous or whatever and I grew up with all these stereotypes in my mind what's really interesting is that I'm kind of like the black sheep of the family in a way because uh the majority of my family are darker skinned we Ooh. have North African yeah my family have North African heritage so um they have dark olive skin dark hair dark eyes so I was kind of like, I came along and I was like, oh, you know, we've got a blonde hair, blue eyed daughter here, you know. That's the um, DNA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was because of my Polish father. Um, but, you know, all my family, there's the North African um, influence there. But uh, so ideals of beauty for me when I was growing up were very much mixed because I had... I had mainstream media telling me this is what a woman should look like. Right. Because 
everyone on TV and in media looked the same. Yeah. You know, um, and then I had this family who I thought were beautiful. They had darker skin, you know, but the stereotype was you have to be blonde, blue-eyed and go surfing and look fit and whatever. So my ideal about beauty skincare has really evolved. And, you know, when I look at my, my family and when I look at women now, I'm so happy that it's evolved since, you know, when I was growing up. Um, yeah, I, I feel the same way. It's just, you know, I talk to my nieces and I'm just saying like, you know, you guys are, so my father is African-American and my mom is Korean and we have some Native American in there. And um, I look at my nieces and one is, you know, part Mexican and one is part Portuguese. And it's like, you guys are so lucky that the time that you're in, because the definition of beauty was so different when I was younger, right? It's exactly that. It was what you said. It was the blonde, blue eyed, you know, it was always a white person and, always. you know, and she had a, a flat booty and, you know, yeah. and then of course there was a time that she had like, you know, a flat chest or like a small chest. Right. And so I'm with you that I just marvel at how the definition of beauty has evolved right? And how it's transformed. There's like a voluptuous woman is beautiful, right? Having yeah. curves, don't be ashamed of your curves. Um, don't be ashamed of like the texture of your hair, having natural curly hair, you know, you don't have to flatten it, you don't have to straighten it. And, um, and I remember when um, I was like 14, I really wanted bangs. I mean, everyone had bangs, right? Right. Begged my mom to cut my hair and I had bangs. Now, if you can imagine, now I look at these girls with like curly hair and they've got cute bangs. But back then, you know, maybe we had Paul Mitchell, maybe we had Dippity Doo. We didn't have a lot of great hair products. So if you can imagine this curly hair and bangs and they were just kind of ringlets. And what I wanted was those straight bangs yeah yeah and you tried really hard to straighten them and you probably I don't know tape them down or sleep on them and or <laughs> yeah I mean hair is also a very interesting topic too when I lived in the Bahamas you know I used to look at all these Bahamian women and these incredible sculptures of hair that they used to attach and they and I remember speaking to one of my Bahamian friends and said how do you sleep with that on your head they said we sleep like this and we don't move <laughs> and we've got you know and I say why do you do it and they said well it's fashion it's trend and but the irony is when I was when I was growing up I really wanted a perm I wanted curly hair Are you serious? I wanted curly hair I got the curly hair and it was horrific um, and yeah, I always, because I looked at my family, I actually wanted to be darker. I mm. wanted to be like, because I saw them, they were my role models. So I wanted dark hair. I wanted olive skin. I wanted dark eyes. Um, so Did you dye your hair ever? I'm, I had it. I, well, I'm considering it at the moment. I'm considering, really? yeah, I'm considering going dark. I mean, you can see my roots there because I haven't had a colour for a while. I mean, that's seen as dark blonde. But, um, yeah, hair is really interesting too. It's very much a, a sign of your um, identity also. And for women, it's especially important. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, let's talk about mature women and hair. I mean, 
I don't know if you've noticed this, but there has been an explosion of literature and media about mature women and hair loss. And, you know, I don't think that, um, you know, the younger generation understand, but like identity and beauty is really and confidence is tied to hair. And so I'm seeing an explosion of writings on hair loss about, you know, and, you know, middle-aged women or mature women and what, and, you know, you, you hear about Rogaine and you always thought about men, but then there's Rogaine for women also. So, yeah, I mean, the topic of hair is really interesting and it's starting to rise almost as much as skincare. I think, what do you think? I I think I, I have definitely seen an explosion of hair care products um, to treat hair loss, um, especially in menopausal, perimenopausal and menopausal and postmenopausal women. And I'm seeing lots of supplements now for hair care. In fact, I'm taking biotin now to help oh, with, are you? Oh, great. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, so I'm taking that because I've, oh, and I think over the past year, because of the pandemic, you know, we've all been leading these really super stressful lives and stress doesn't help. And, you know, I've noticed significant hair loss over the past year. And um, so I've been taking supplements, but I have noticed an explosion now of hair care specifically for hair loss, for aging hair. So it's now become a big trend and I think it's going to take off even more so. But yeah, I think it was very much always about men going bald. But now, you know, the topic of aging for women, it's coming up also about our hair too. And and I think that's part of our whole thing of being, you know, seen as beautiful to have healthy, glorious hair, you know, um, and that's a sign of youth also for sure. And it's really, I think it's distressing. When I speak to friends of mine um, about hair loss, you know, they're, they're distressed. It's, it's not easy. So this is another aging thing that we need to, to work with and come to terms with for sure. I, you know, you lightly touched upon social media at the beginning of our conversation and it's really nice to see, you know, social media can have devastating consequences, but then also it can open up doors to like having meaningful conversations. For instance, like Jada Pinkett Smith shaving off her hair and revealing that she has been suffering hair loss. Right. Yeah, I love Jada. Yeah. And um, Ricky Lake. I love Ricky Lake. Love Ricky and Lake. He, you know, was suffering from hair loss. And then they're just shaving it all off and exposing it and having conversations. And even about menopause, having these conversations about, you know, what the um, the symptoms are and what you go through. And and so and it's about it, time, isn't it? Right? It's yes. about time, right? I mean, yeah, you know, I didn't even know what she was going through because they didn't have conversations about menopause. When I asked her, like, when did you go through menopause? She's like, I have no idea. I don't think I went through it. And my brother's like, no, she did go through it. And this is what it was like living through hell when she was going through it. But she's like, oh, that's what it was because she didn't know. And they weren't having conversations and they're, you know, and now it's great. It's referred you're seeing products on drugstores targeting women who are going through menopause to try to ease their symptoms, you know, their night sweats, you know, whatever, talking about hair loss. It's great. Absolutely. Um, It's taken a long time. And I just jumping on the point about what you were saying about your mom, you know, I saw my mom go through really terrible menopause for 10. It seemed like years that she went through it, but you know, I mean, all the symptoms, the sweating, 
um, the mood swings. Uh, it was devastating for her, but she never got HRT for it because in those days, HRT was very much linked to breast cancer. And that's all changing now, by the way. Um, so, you know, it was devastating. But when I look at my grandmother, what my grandmother went through, you know, there was no such thing as menopause, really. And to think about that generation or those generations of women who really lost the sense of them, themselves mm -hmm. because, you know, it's a huge physical and mental transition. Um, but it's not the end, you know, it's, it's it. I mean, you know, older women have so much experience and passion to give to the world. Yeah. It's not, it's not a dead stop. And they it's, don't lose their sexuality, you know, and I think there is this misconception or there was a misconception that, oh, um, you know, a woman gets older, she matures, she loses her sexuality, she loses her sensuality. And then to find out that STDs are rampant in senior citizen communities, they're still right. having sex. <laughs> yeah, and that, exactly. And, you know, we always say, oh my God, we don't want to talk about older people, you know, doing that. Um, <laughs> but I'm seeing now on social media a lot about older women um, and sexuality um, and there, uh, there was actually a recent uh, fashion shoot for one of the, the magazines. Anyway, it was a, about uh, jewellery and it was, basically was an older couple making out. Mm -hmm. And it was really, you know, I think it's coming up now, this whole dialogue about sexuality, ageing and how it's definitely changing and beauty and skincare and hair. But like you were saying about social media, there are definitely great things about it, but there are also very negative things about it too right. because it, it is providing a fantastic platform like dialogue, as you say, but with that comes a lot of criticism right. and you get the, the trolls and the people who say, oh, you know, Madonna has been going through a bit of a bad bashing at the moment, you know, um, 62 years of age. Uh, she's got a very young lover. He's, uh, he's in his 20s. You know, she's getting her cosmetic surgery, whatever. Good luck to her. Do what you want. Yeah, but she's, really. yeah, like if, whatever makes you happy. But I think there's a real stigma about women, um, not so much for men, because it's always an older man can go out with a younger woman. That's socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. But um, for an older woman to go out with a younger man is really frowned upon. So... As yeah, long as we're talking. I see those double standards, but there's always been double standards, right? Yes. A woman yes. can't have it all. A man can have it all. A man mm. can date and have a younger wife, but a woman can't. And that's what I think it goes into that, that misconception um, that women, women lose their sensuality and sexuality, that you're basically, you reach a certain age and then you should just be sitting in the corner knitting. And that's all you're yeah. thinking about and playing with your cats, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but you see I love knitting. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't knit, <laughs> but you know what? I, I totally get you. Yeah, no, it, it's really interesting that you're um, talking about this whole thing about sexuality as women get older. And I think women are tied very much to their reproductive age. Yes. yes. Um, unfortunately. And as we get older, we're seen as soon as we can't have babies, we're done. Yep. That's it. Put it back on the shelf. You're out. 
right? Right, absolutely. And it's, and there's, you know, I love, I, they, they say that I'm a nerd, but I love seeing movies where there are mature actors like out being, living their lives and being vital, you know, having that vitality, because that's true. That's what the truth is, right? It's not just sitting in an armchair and just watching TV. Now, of course, there's a segment of the population that are doing that, but you have an also, which is great, tying it into social media. You have these older influencers, they're out there and they're fashionable. You know, they're not wearing just like frumpy sweaters with cats on them. No offense to cat lovers at all, because this is like my <laughs> second reference to cats. But yeah, uh, we're not dissing cats anyway. No, don't <laughs> troll us. I love cats. Thinking <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, you have these influencers oh. on social media and they're on point. Their hair, their makeup, their clothes. And it's, you know, you have this thing, and I I hate this term, age appropriate. Oh, <laughs> don't like that at all. But, you know, what you're saying about all these new influencers, the older generation, guess what? They're the ones with the most disposable income. Okay, let's get to it. Like, hello, where are all the advertisers out there, Thank you know, you. with this new niche market? of older men and women who are really on point, really on trend, they're looking after themselves. You know, I don't get it. Where, where's the marketing and the products suited to them? Where's the, because they are the ones who have the money behind them. I don't understand it, okay? It's like, look, you're in media, right? And you can see as even on the other side as a consumer, you can see what they're marketing towards the advertisers, right? It seems as though it's okay to market to like the men because they have the wealth and, you know, if they, if they're older, but it's always the younger demographic of women, you know, and we're left out here like, Hey, we've got the money. We're still curious. We're still um, on a journey and trying to improve ourselves. So like market to us too, right? Don't market us to like retirement communities, like market to me about beauty, about skincare, about workouts, about clothes, about shoes, right? I don't want, listen, um, earmuffs, fuck sensible shoes, okay? I want to see some really hot fashion for me. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally 100% agree with you. It was so funny you saying this. The other night I was looking at an advertisement and, and it, was, it was this older couple that had white hair she had a curly little you know hairstyle and they're sitting there looking all frail and it had something uh oh uh you know your retirement over the age of 50 and I'm looking at these frail you know old people uh, you know, with their gray hair and their cardigans on and I'm like has anyone seen J-Lo? Thank you. Okay. Or Gwen Stefani. Uh, Halle Berry. Thank you, Halle Berry. Oprah. Yes. I mean, tr you know, well, no, Tracy Ellis Ross is not over 50. She's in her 40s. But certainly, you know, like, I don't get it. Change with the time. You know, and also older, older consumers are loyal. Yes. Older consumers are very loyal. Younger consumers are very trend-based. Um, and they flip from different products 
and it's very hard to, to keep up with them for marketeers and whatever. But older generation, you know, they're a bit more loyal and they will put their money in quality products and quality services. So that it, all needs to change. It, it for sure. and, and I think that um, there are so many wonderful indie brands that are out there, right, that are coming onto the scenes that you have those um, more disruptors. And, and of course, like, you know, I, I want to venture out of my comfort zone and discover these new indie brands and these new products that are coming onto the scene. And it's, you know, yes, can I buy Chanel? And Chanel is a great line and you have these wonderful lines out there. But like I said, you have these innovative products that are coming onto the market that you know, the younger um, buyers are being exposed to, but I would like to know, and it's not just about like um, anti-aging, you know, it could be about moisturizing. It could be about any number of things that they have these innovative products. And I'd like to be exposed to that too and learn about it. And it just seems to be, I'm, you know, my demographic gets skipped over. And, you know, and this is, this is such a shame I don't know who's running these these companies. I think maybe they're the demographic, you know, they're aiming towards the younger generation. And I'm not saying, I'm not discounting the younger generation at all, the millennials. Um, but, you know, it does seem like we're still being ignored and when they're not harnessing the power of, of you know, our demographic or this demographic over 40 even, or 35. I don't even know what middle-aged is anymore. I think the demographics have changed. Right. Um, you know, and I hate the term middle-aged because it still has that stigma of being someone who's past their use-by date. Right. And, and and I think that needs to change a lot more. And there are, and, you, you know, you're talking about these companies, especially in skincare, with innovative innovative products, innovation, and that's starting to happen. And they are the disruptors in the skincare world. And I know the big companies with the money mm -hmm. are starting to look more towards these companies because they know that they've got a really good niche market. Yeah. And um, that's going to develop more for sure. Yeah. So, and I think that, you know, like you said, that the younger generation can learn from the older generation and vice versa that, you know, as the younger girls go out and they try certain things, I'll take a look at what, you know, the girls are doing. And then what we do or what I do is I put my own twist on it, right? Because maybe it's not as bold. It's not that it's age appropriate, but it's appropriate for me. It's person appropriate, right? Person centric so that, okay, I take a look at what that fashion is. Maybe I don't want to show my midriff, but what can I show, right? <laughs> And, and I, I think this is, yes, twist on it. Absolutely. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. You know, before it used to beauty and skincare fashion used to be very much inside a box. This is what you wore. You, you were targeted at one brand. You wore that one brand or you used that one brand. But, and now it's more personalized. People want personalization. They want something that's for their skin, for their look, um, and something that fits their lifestyle. You know, and it's changing and evolving a lot, which is great to see because, you know, as you say, it's something that one person's look is not going to fit my own look too, but I can use the, the best of that to adapt it and change it to how I want it to be. 
And that's beauty about them. this. You know, we've seen something like that's mass produced and it's like maybe thrown out to the general public. Like one of the things I always say that I love Hawaii. And the reason why I love Hawaii is because when the first time I went there, what I saw were products that were made for skin tones like myself. They were darker skin tones. And I couldn't get that, you know, on the mainland. So let's think about, can you give me an example, what you see an adaptation of making a product more personalized? You know, I like, like Fenty. Fenty has so many, you know, they're getting a lot of attention because they have so many different shades of foundation. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And by the way, Rihanna was just named a billionaire today um, because of partly because of Fenty, partly because of Fenty. Um, but before Rihanna was Iman, the supermodel, mm-hmm. and um, she developed, a, a, you know, specifically for what you're saying, because she couldn't find a foundation that wouldn't match her skin type. So, and she did very well, but, you know, Rihanna has blown, blown it out of the park, hasn't she? Right. Uh, which is great to see. But even for me, you know, I've found foundations really difficult too. And even some skin, uh, sun creams. You know, sun creams come in one shade and I'm, I am still mixing sun creams to get my shade for my skin. They come in either right. really light or really orange. Yep. And I'm like, someone need, okay, that's an idea for you. Take my idea and go and make some sunscreens that, you know, are diff- for different um, skin colors. Oh, yeah. You know, I just saw, and, and I, I was like going to tell the girls, I want to go try, I want to go buy it. And it's not a plug, so I haven't tried, but it was like black girl sunscreen. That's what the name of the company is called because whenever, you know, you know, they say that you're supposed to use zinc and there's certain, you know, minerals. And so, you know, non-cancerous causing um, toxins that you want to put on your face. But whenever I do that, there's like that white cast, right? And And for me too. So I can only imagine for you what it's like. So, but this is a um, sunscreen for people of color. And I was so excited to hear about it that I'm going to go buy it out. I'm going to go out and buy it today. Have you heard of it? Yeah, so it's called Black Girl Sunscreen. We're just, I mean, that's crazy. That's awesome. I know. And, you know, it's fantastic to see, you know, Tracy Ellis Ross also, and this is not a plug for her either, but I noticed that she did, she started a range for um, her hair type. So, and I've tried it. All right. How was it? It was great. The smell was wonderful. It was, I I tried one of the like leave-in conditioners and um, a spritz that will like, you know, rejuvenate your curls, like revive your curls. And it was, it's just really super exciting to see this. Yeah. And I tell you from my short experience with having a perm and trying to keep those curls under control. (laughs) I mean, I was like, okay, this is another level of hair care. I was like, who were you trying to look like? Who were you trying to look like when you got this perm? I think I tell you. Okay, I think at the time it was Mariah Carey when she had her, you know, her beautiful ringlets and I was like, I'm going to look like that, you know, I want to be Mariah. Um, and that's, that's the thing, don't work against something. Right? Well, work with what you've got. I, I, there weren't a lot, you know, like, you know, who I could, you know, um, emulate, but I remember I scoured um, the mall trying to get the lip color of Janet Jackson in her video you know she remember when she had that like you know it was like this kind of like like kind of like glistening kind of brown I looked all over the place 
Uh-huh. <laughs> look, I, to look like I think I found that in Australia because I wore that. <laughs> Not a good look. Not a good look. A copper brown on a white face with blue eyes and blonde hair. I'm telling you, I wish I had the photo. I think I found that. I'm trying to remember which. Do you remember Mac came out with Eva Glam? I think it was. Oh, Eva yeah, Glam. Mac. <laughs> we've all been there, haven't we? We've all made the mistake. Oh, dude. Oh, my goodness. All those days, you know, they were, they were incredible. And look what we have now. We have an app such as yours that can help people such as us to personalise our look. Don't trust everything you see on social media. I need help. This is why your app is so good for me. I'm telling you now. I mean, you know, let's touch, let's touch upon that point, right? When you see these celebrities in the world, they have an army of stylists. Yes. Hairdressers, makeup artists. They don't go home lighting. and they whip it up in the night, you know. They have lighting. They have special equipment, right? <laughs> they take thousands of photos to find that one good photo. I mean, let's just get real. You have to be real, but it's, you know, I, um, I just hear like, even my nieces, they talk about like, oh, like the Instagram and you look like this. And she's like, oh, I just faked that. That wasn't real. <laughs> really? Then, oh, it's not real. And they're perpetuating this, you know, they're perpetuating um, <clears throat> what's going on behind the scenes. And they realize that, hey, I need to portray this. And even though I don't feel that way, and even though it's not real, but this is what I need to do because this is what attracts people, right? Everyone wants to be with the winner. No one wants to be vulnerable. And it just keeps on going. And I guess you just have to be, you have to check yourself in the sense of that's not real. What well, is real? But <clears throat> that is something that worries me a lot, actually, about social media is that everyone starts to look the same. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain celebrities that everyone wants to look that way. Um, and then the people start to forget who they really are and utilise their own beauty and identity um, to become who they are. And, yeah, it can. It, I can see young girls falling down that trap big time. Um, and also that in itself is a stereotype. You know, so Social media is great. As I said before, it's, it's, it's a fantastic platform to be able to break open conversations such as we're having today um, and also to, to really amplify the issues that we're still facing because I don't think the skincare, beauty industry, hair industry, you know, it's evolving, but it needs to evolve more. Yes. Um, and for people of colour, for older people, you know, for people of different body types, we've still got a long way to go, I think. I, you know, for as, as many as there are proponents of inclusivity and, you know, um, plus size models or, you know, or voluptuous women, whatever it is, and people of colour, you still have those trolls. And you still have those people who will you know, attack those people who are trying to be vulnerable and bring issues to the forefront. And it's just, you know, I don't know how you combat that. It's just, you know, you can't spend your time dealing with one-on-one-on-one-on-one because -on -one -on -one -on -one, then you lose yourself, right? You just got to keep on going. And then I think that also brings us to mental health that it's, okay, you know that the trolls are out there. Don't get caught up on um, 
you know, what do you do? Do you open up the comment section, the session section to hear comments that are like, there's positive comments, but then there are bad and mean comments too. And that can mess with somebody, right? Oh yeah. They're waiting. But you can't have a conversation unless you open it up. And I think with people, um, their mental health has to be strong and they have to check themselves. And it's good to take a step back because they need to be prepared that it's going to come. These bad comments. Yeah. You know. And I think and I think people on social media really need to make a very clear effort to say to themselves, I am going to be criticized, I am going to be trolled, but I cannot take it personally. Right. I they've got to make a very clear because social media is can be horrific, mm-hmm. um, especially for mental health. So People on, you know, social media influencers, you know, celebrities, whoever. Everyone is not, no one is going to agree with you 100%. That's and life. Is, that is life. And we don't agree with everyone either. This is life. But it, it becomes very personal very quickly on social media. And people feel more empowered when they're sitting behind a keyboard or a phone to say what's on their mind without putting in anything into context and it's you know if you've got someone who's low self-esteem or issues or vulnerable or depressed you know these trolls can have a devastating impact so the issue is we do need to raise these issues and stories about inclusivity about racism about ageism but I think also we need to be able to protect ourselves. So if you want to block people, block them. If you want to turn off the commenting section, turn it off. It's your platform. Right. You do what you want. You don't have to answer to anybody unless you're being outright nasty to them on your own social media platform. Right. I, that's how I've taken it now after being, you know, nearly six years on um, social media. I, I have a very clear idea of what is right and what is uh, trolling I don't I don't do trolls anymore that's it I don't want people coming in I want to create a safe space where people can discuss and have dialogue I have zero tolerance now for trolls and anyone who's going to make other people feel um, unworthy now let's take a look at your social media you have your Instagram page and what brought you to social media did you did you start because it was a function of your job or was it because you wanted to share your story, you know, um, with others? And I noticed there's a lot of food. You're a big <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how I started. I, I became a food writer in Qatar. I, you know, I've been living in Vietnam with my young family, my two young boys and my husband. We moved to Qatar and I was really a full-time mom and I decided I wanted to do something for myself. I wanted a creative outlet because I'd really thrown everything into being a mother. And um, I thought, you know what, I, I had worked in publishing and media in Sydney and London and the Bahamas anyway and kind of took a break and then I thought, right, now's the time to do it. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to start doing it again. And, yeah, I just started an Instagram account and writing about food in Qatar. And then people just started approaching me and saying, do you want to write for us? And I said, sure, I'll do that. And then it's just it's really snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. So, and 
And what I've found is that now I'm talking about other uh, other subjects that I'm, I'm really passionate about. So it started off with, as food and culture mm-hmm. and people because I'm very interested in culture and people, but it's also naturally progressed into other things like um, mental health, um, the environment, sustainability. So, yeah, there's lots of things that interest me. And, and in Qatar, I really want to create a platform for dialogue because it's it's not like America, <laughs> the media. I, you know, the, the media is very different in Qatar and there's a different attitude. So, um, you know, it, it's very much insular in a way. People are very private. You know, their business is their business. Mm-hmm. It's not a free-for-all. So, you know, I'm trying to use my social media now as a platform and to raise issues such as we're talking about today because these kinds of issues are not really talked about in um, in Qatar, but it's starting to, which is great. People are starting to talk about it more. They're not as shy as they used to be. I see that you incorporate elements of your private life too, a little bit, you know, you insert. And so how do you reach that balance, you know, in the sense of like, how do you choose what to share, you know, when to share? I know it's like easy, easier to, um, you know, I see that you talk about entrepreneurship and it seems like you're very passionate about, you know, entrepreneurs and especially like women and starting a business um, and then food, of course, and environment. But then there's like sprinkles of personal life, you know, like being on a motorbike or traveling, going like walking through and sharing like your brother-in-law, for instance, it's like little like little specks of personal how do you choose that um I've always see I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing on social media or tv presenting because I'm actually really private (laughs) (laughs) so I don't I don't kind of you know get why I'm doing all this I I think it's just a natural form of expression because I have so many interests and I always decided that you know the my social media I didn't want the spotlight on me in a way, and I didn't want to expose my private life. First of all, because I don't think people would be interested. Because I actually, I don't, you know, I don't have a you really boring. Life. You're not boring. Oh, I don't have a glamorous life. Like I don't, you know, I, I, you know, I don't. I really don't. You know, I, you know, I have struggles just like everyone else. I look, you know, a hot mess when I wake up and when I go to bed. I, you know, I've got two boys you know who are very active and I just guess I didn't really think anyone would be that interested in it and so that's why I've always really touched upon other subjects that I thought people would like to discuss but now you know I'm starting to kind of talk more about you know my kids and what I do and where I live because I think I want to be relatable right I want to I want to be relatable and show them show people that yeah I have a life beyond social media yeah and I think Um, the natural curiosity when people are you know looking at someone's page they you know they have this tabloid and it's like oh they're just like the celebrities are just like normal people they shop they grocery shop you know and they they pack up their kids just like you do and I think people you know eat that up that it's like oh you're off on these like um, exotic adventures and you have access to these like celebrities and and this is really cool what's behind the scenes. But then there's a real person with the real life and that's, you know, that there are 
it like may me might be mundane that I'm like getting the kids ready to go to school. It's nothing glamorous, but Absolutely. it's relatable. Right. Also, I, and also I think I've got to the age there where I feel like I've got nothing to prove. Yeah. You know, you get to the age where you just think, you know what? If people like me, they like me. If they don't, they don't. If I, you know, I'm not going to. Scrolling, right? Yeah. Scrolling. Yeah, keep on scrolling. It's very liberating, actually. I find it liberating. Five years ago, though, I was a different story. But now I'm like, you know what? I, I want to be authentic as possible and show my real life. And I think there's a natural. And, you know, it's super interesting because, the, you know, a lot of, big name celebrities, they just show real photos. They don't have these photo shoots all the time because they've got nothing to prove that, you know, I, and I not saying that I'm in that category at all, but I just think you get to an age where I just feel like I've got nothing to prove anymore. If people like my content, they like it if they don't. And hopefully my work speaks for itself. So I guess you reach the age where there's less filter, right? Like you can, express yourself I think I need more filters at this point <laughs> no I love filters you know, using them. it's like well my speech is unfiltered I've become more like less and less filtered as I get older because it's just like you know what this, this is me. Okay. If you don't like me, you don't have to be around me. It's fine. And I'm not going to take it personal. Like we can agree to disagree and just keep on moving. Right. Um, like filters for my face. Love it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, I am vain. I am vain. I'm very vain. We all are, right? This is a thing. I think we all are. Everyone is. You know, even people say, oh, I'm not vain. And then they take a photo and say, no, I don't like that one. Can you please edit out the wrinkles? I mean, I think beauty is and this concept of beauty and and wanting to look our best is also very much a a self-expression. I agree. You know, what we want to look like, who we are. And we, you know, we all want to look our best. Of course. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I think there's like, um, there's a comfort level, right? That you have that's like, okay, this is what I'm going to be wearing. This is what I'm going to look like. And I don't have to be done to the nines, you know, and it could be, I'm going to have like natural skin. And it's just really that I'm comfortable in my skin. That's what I appreciate in aging. I'm comfortable in my skin knowing, okay, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is what I'm going to wear. This is not what I'm going to wear. I guess I just wish that I was exposed to more. I, you know, cause like I said, you don't stop being curious and you, you continue your journey. I think that's for me. That's my mantra. And I agree with you. I'm the same. I, I, I want to be curious for the rest of my life. I mean, I guess that's why you're always on adventures and traveling, right? I mean, it's you get to like learn new things about people and and they're breaking stereotypes and things that you might not have known just by looking on the internet, but actually being there and experiencing. And and that's one of the things when I was looking at your Instagram, I was like, wow, she's been to a lot of places. This is awesome. You know, this is great. And then not doing just what the tourists are doing, but what the locals are doing. That's what I want to do. Yeah, I love her. I love connecting with people. And I've always had that passion since I was a kid. You know, I'm really fascinated by culture. 
I'm, and, and this is why I started writing about food in Qatar, because I'm, I'm very interested in how food is an expression of culture and, and people too. And, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to travel the world and live in some really cool places. So, um, yeah, I think you've got to be curious in life. I, you know, it's, it's so much out there, which fascinates me even now. I'm so fascinated in everything around me. And with social media, it's like a candy store. It's like, wow, it's, look at this. Wow, all this stuff that's out there. It's so yeah, cool. it's like my eyes are like this. Totally. And remember in our day, we had a library. <laughs> all the millennials now are going, what's a library? What's a library? What do you mean? What's, what's a book? Yeah. What's you a book? What's, <laughs> what's a magazine? It's just, yeah. My kids say time. that. Yeah, my kids say exactly that. I, you know, where we're staying at the moment, my husband's um, hometown, and there's a little library, and I was like, oh, let's go to the library for the afternoon. You're like, why? They're like, mom, I'm, I'm going to do a TikTok video. <laughs> so you're, on, you're in the UK. What's up on the horizon for you? What's next? Okay, so I've got some really interesting things coming up. Um, so I'm writing for Harper's Bazaar, which I absolutely love. Um, and we're doing a lot about culture, actually, in Qatar and what's going on. And Qatar is an incredible country. We've got the World Cup coming around the corner. There's this huge creative um, kind of movement that's exploding now with fashion designers, entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs, and um, artists. So there's a really vibrant community going on. So I'm writing for them and got some very interesting things coming up. I'm also doing a TV series. Um, I've already finished the first series. I'm coming up with a second one. It's all about Qatar, World Cup, talking to lots of different people. And there's a few other things that are coming up that are super interesting, which uh, one is a global campaign. Wow. Um, regarding sustainability because I'm very passionate about sustainability and really trying to create awareness about it especially in Qatar so yeah there's there's a few things coming up which I'm I'm really excited about but there's lots of things going on coming up in Qatar which is super exciting and of course you know we've got the World Cup next year which is, is year? Yes, it's yeah, 2022. It's coming around the corner in flies, especially yeah. with COVID. It's just flies. <laughs> it's either, I guess it's either slow or flies. It's like I, I can't believe I missed 2020. You know? yeah, tell me about it. I don't know what year it is either. I mean, it's really this pandemic has really changed everything for us. But yes. you know, I'm really hoping to get to the US at some point. Yes, please. Um, would love to come over to California. Yes, please. Um, and, uh, you know, got some travel plans hopefully coming up. So we'll see how it goes. Well, you know, Kim, this was such a pleasure having you on Naya Unfiltered. You know, it was it was fun. It like kind of tapped memories for me that I hadn't thought about in a long time. <laughs> and That's I love the conversation about, you know, just the evolution of beauty and what that entails. Mm -hmm. like, it entails not only just makeup and surface, but also like inner confidence, mental health, you know, like their body shape, your hair. So um, I really enjoyed our conversation. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. Thank you so much. I really, you know, and what you're doing with this, um, the app is fantastic. It really is, you know, supporting women and and also men, you know, everyone in the community, which I absolutely love. And I can see you're such a strong, you know, great role model for this app too, as the founder, one of the co-founders. Great to see. And I wish you all the best of luck with this. I, I really love it. Thanks for listening to our latest episode of Naya Unfiltered. Remember, you can always watch our full interview on our YouTube page at Naya Beauty App. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe to all platforms like YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, and TikTok, all at the same handle, at Naya Beauty App, so you can always stay up to date on all things Naya Beauty. Until next time, guys. Bye.